So I think that the dynamic in the market has clearly changed, but I think that we haven't seen the full extent of it yet. Welcome to Mission Capital, the Invest Austria podcast. We talk with private capital investors about growing and scaling innovative companies. My name is Laura, and I'm happy to welcome Alexandra today. We will talk about the current economic developments and how to prepare, act, and succeed. Hi, Alexandra. Nice to have you here. Do you want to introduce yourself shortly to our listeners? Sure. Thank you, Laura, for having me today. Um, my name is Alex. I'm a partner at Red Alpine, which is an early stage VC fund based out of Zurich with offices in Berlin as well. And um, my background is that I actually spent 17 years um, in London prior to moving to Zurich, where I started my career on the trading floor at Goldman, followed by starting my own business in fintech. Um, and then I did several years at various startups, um, one of which is a unicorn now. I was their very early employee. And uh, more recently, three years ago, I decided that I wanted to join a VC fund so I can look at lots of different startups um, and lots of different innovations. Yeah, great to hear your perspective from many different angles today. But before we go deeper into the topic, we will start with our three opening questions for today. One word about the tech ecosystem in Austria. So I think Austria has a very curious setup. Um, I think it has the academic institutions, the angel network and the ambitions to become a, a true bridge or hub for innovation within the CE region. And um, there have been quite a lot of really interesting developments in recent years in particular in terms of exits or big rounds um, for Austrian companies. So I think that it's a space that one has to watch closely. Happy to hear that. And also one of the topics we covered during Invest Austria. One wish for the future of the CE location. Well, my wish is that more growth investors pay attention to the region um, to allow and propel some of the local entrepreneurs onto the international stage. I think this is something that the CE is still lagging um, behind with. Definitely really important. And what's the most important learning from your journey that you would pass on to your peers? Um, I guess I would say that um, when you look at investments and how you collaborate with your founders, think about that relationship in the longest term possible. And given um, the current macroeconomic climate, don't use this to your advantage to a point where you end up really mistreating the founders in your investment strategy, uh, because I think that will be remembered And the macroeconomic climate will eventually change and you want to make sure that you're remembered as the good guy in the room. Yeah, it's, it's always about the people, especially in hard times. We hear the sentence, champions are made in crisis a lot nowadays, especially from the investor side. Um, how do you perceive the current economic situation and what also do you expect as a startup investor? So I think you hit the nail on the head. I think what a lot of people maybe don't realize is that a lot of the big companies that have ended up being huge international successes, such as WhatsApp and Airbnb, were actually started during an economic crisis back in 2008. Um, you know, I even recently found out that Cisco received their seat ticket a few weeks after the Black Monday. So I think that um, difficulties in the market give rise to a lot of opportunities, not least because a founder has to be much more creative and innovative to, to have a sustainable business. 
Um, I expect the deal flow to actually become really exciting over the next year. And we expect to see a lot of high caliber founders with incredible ideas. And I think that good rounds will continue to happen for those that have a defensible product and a great tech tech hedge. I think that in cases of a robust business model, it will actually continue to be possible to win over clients and investors. But of course, investors will probably be a little bit more cautious and will look very closely at routes to profitability rather than excessive growth at any cost. Maybe going deeper into this, do you already see a decline of valuation or in general a extension of investment decision periods from investors' side? So I think that the dynamic in the market has clearly changed, but I think that we haven't seen the full extent of it yet. Um, a lot of companies that raised big rounds during the COVID time still have a runway and don't need to raise. So it's very difficult to assess whether the valuations have gone down by a lot. But we have certainly seen that the decision-making process is normalizing, I would say, not slowing down, but going back to what it used to be pre-pandemic. Um, and I definitely see more investors spending more time being very thorough with their due diligence and taking their time with looking at unit economics and the evolution of of things such as uh, margins, for example. Um, I think that what is important to keep in mind, and this is something that I already said in an earlier question, is that um, if you are bullish on a particular founder and a startup, continue to value them the way you would in any market environment, um, because the recessionary times might end eventually as well. And you want to make sure that you're partnering with them through the good times as well as the bad. And, um, you know, you're the good investor who, who supports them more on a partnership level. Um, but certainly, I think that there, there is still a lot of money to be to be um, raised in the market. Uh, but of course, I think that VCs will become more picky around your defensibility and your numbers. I mean, we have seen really interesting market um, developments in the past two years, a kind of stop of investments the first six months during COVID or just focus on follow on rounds. And then we had a kind of overflow of money and also fast investment decisions in like the past one and a half years. And now it's kind of rebalancing. This is also the impression you had and you would also describe the, the last two years or what's your view on that? I think it's obvious to anyone in the last three, two years were fairly exceptional when it comes to the volume of deal flow, the valuations that we've seen. A lot of the rounds were done uh, based on hype and not necessarily fundamentals, I think. Um, and these companies will probably struggle if they need to raise their next round to do it at an up level to the previous round. However, nevertheless, it also was a great time for innovation, right? And it propelled digitization probably five years forward. So I think there's a lot to be said also about the positives in that regard. Now, we obviously had a bit of a quieter period also because of the summer season. Um, and it remains to be seen probably over the next few months how the market will evolve and develop. But it's a fantastic time to invest in startups because, as I mentioned previously, um, this is where the really interesting technologies and business models really tend to come up. Exactly. 
And how will all of this impact Red Alpine's investment strategy? And maybe before going into the changes, maybe you also want to explain what the current strategy is in which stages and also in which um, verticals you invest. So we invest at seed and series A stage. Um, we are pretty sector agnostic. There's a few business models that we wouldn't invest in, most prominently those that do not have a scalable business model approach. Um, we also wouldn't invest in um, very hardware-heavy businesses. Um, but other than that, we're pretty agnostic. And um, we, um, we invest across Europe. So a lot of our portfolios are actually within the DACH region um, for historical reasons. We've been around for 16 years and obviously um, are geographically positioned in the Dach region. Uh, but we have a mandate to invest anywhere in Europe, really. And to be fair, our approach, we stay true to our approach from the last 16 years. We have always looked very closely at a strong founding team, good, solid business model, and um, also a, um, a, a sort of technical innovation or some sort of product differentiation. And we think that with those three biggest points, you are very likely to succeed no matter what the market is. So we are staying tr true to that and continue to search for such companies. We continue to invest. Um, and, you know, we haven't really changed that um, during the COVID time or now. And in the, in, the, in the past, as I mentioned, we've been around for 16 years. This is not our first economic slowdown. Um, so we feel like we've been around the block and have, have, have done this before and are not afraid to, to continue finding the good, the good superstars from Europe. I think staying true to investment strategy and also to experiences, learnings and also um, the own yeah, strategic points of view when it comes to investing is really Yeah, important in this time. But are there any things you're considering when helping founders with the next rounds? Or do you see um, different fundraising periods or anything changing for this side? Yes, I mean, of course, it's our job actually to help with fundraising throughout, whether it's an economic slowdown or not. Um, and, you know, hopefully open a few doors or also just prepare for the pitches, prepare to help with the deck preparation, um, understand you know, what sort of valuations they can expect at their level of activity and maturity. So I think what we're doing now is we're basically trying to understand how they're running their business and whether they have adjusted it to the current realities, um, whether they're running operations in a lean and efficient way, um, maybe some a little bit more extravagant projects will have to be put on hold. Let's say you have to extend your runway as much as possible. And, and we're working together on achieving that. Now, in terms of preparing for fundraisers, um, I think it's the same as usual. You just have to make sure that you are able to present the business in the best possible way and, um, you know, get the new investors excited about the vision um, that they would like to be part of that journey. Um, that hasn't changed much. I think we're just a bit more cautious about runway and making sure that um, we, we don't cut costs unnecessarily at the cost of growth, um, but that we're a bit more prudent with, um, you know, any kind of plans um, in the future 
to make sure that we can have a sustainable business uh, over a long period of time. Yeah, I think these points are really important for all other investors supporting their portfolio startups when fundraising or also founders who listen to the podcast and want to prepare for the next rounds. Are there any specific KPIs or benchmarks which, which have drastically changed and also should be considered from investors and founders when raising the next round? I think if investors will continue to look at the same metrics, to be honest, but of course, valuations will be adjusted when you compare them to the ARR number, for example, to sort of reoccurring revenues. And I think the multiples might become a little bit lower given the situation in the market. I think what will become more and more important is what I also already mentioned, which is more the profit path to profitability rather than growth at any cost, which historically was more important for VCs, I think. So I think that VCs will look more at the development and evolution of um, average customer value um, and, and margin evolution um, and unit economics to make sure that it's a sustainable business and that they have a realistic chance of getting to profitability, maybe not tomorrow, but within sort of a reasonable period of time. So I think a solid, strong business model will be of huge importance. And I think these kind of numbers will be looked at more closely. Good to know that, definitely. Do you see specific sectors set up better for the future or are there also other sectors which you think they are really having a hard time right now? I think it's not so much the sectors as it is the business models. As I mentioned, I think that if you have a tech hedge and you can prove a solid ROI to your customers, you will, you will continue to have good traction even during those times, especially solutions that save money for a lot of corporates, which are now becoming much more sensitive around that topic, um, will continue to be very popular with their customers. And I think companies that will struggle or and or are already struggling are those that maybe have um, don't really have a tech hedge per se and don't have the strong differentiating factor. Um, so those I think will will find that it's difficult to compete and to continue the the sort of traction that they've shown in the past maybe. But of course, given the geopolitical situation and the macroeconomic situation, there are certain topics that obviously will continue to pop up as as themes of interest. One of them might be alternative energy sources. So any sort of innovation within that space. Um, but sustainability topics have been a hot thing already during the pandemic. So it just continues, um, I guess, in that in that direction. Topics like cybersecurity might be of particular interest now. But I think that if you have a solid business model, again, um, a good differentiating factor in your product, then um, it's not so much a particular sector, I think, as it is the business model that you're presenting that will show success or failure over the next two years. And then coming back to the point how investors can take an advantage about the current situation, how would you like help them in their investment situation and also when assessing sustainable business models? For me, sustainability means firstly that you're actually solving a real problem. And it's a big enough problem that people are willing to pay for the solution. And the second bit is that your solution is at least 10x better than what's out there now in the market. So for me, these two are already putting you into a very leading position in the market. 
And especially during times of economic slowdown, as I mentioned, uh, you know, customers are only willing to pay for, um, you know, innovation or tools if it's going to provide them with a significant ROI. So I think that would be my first assessment or analysis. And secondly, the business model itself, whether it's sustainable, I guess you could look at it in the context of is it very capital intensive? Is it scalable? Um, so is it more of a consultancy model where your main differentiator are people and you have to hire more people to scale? Or can you scale easily and, and quickly and go to market and onboard customers easily with the technological solutions that you have? So these are probably the things that I would be looking at. Of course, then there's the numbers part, which is looking at how much do you charge your customers or how much are customers willing to pay for your solution and how does that fit in with your cost structure? So I would say that for sustainable business models, these are a few of the things that I would be looking at that would make a business a very strong and sustainable business. Yeah, I think this is really helpful guidance for all investors who are looking or want to invest right now or assessing different startups to reevaluate how, <laughs> how sustainable is the business model. One last question for today. If you had to choose one political measure to improve the European private capital framework, which one would you give priority to? So I think what I would definitely look at is trying to, from a regulatory point of view, allow more pension funds to place some of their allocations in the private equity space. And the reason for that is twofold. Firstly, um, it means more money for the startup ecosystem. So, you know, creating more jobs in that tech innovation space um, and also helping to make Europe um, a leader uh, in the innovation and tech space. But second of all, and more importantly, maybe, is that taxpayers are proven to actually really benefit from the returns that you get by investing in private equity. And it's been something that PE funds have been doing for a really long time already in the US. And I feel like we're really missing out on that opportunity. Um, and I think part of it is regulation. Part of it is obviously mentality and, and um, getting people comfortable and familiar with a different asset class. Uh, but nevertheless, I think that it's um, an opportunity with also regulation to make it easier to do that jump and leapfrog into that space. Yeah, happy to go deeper into that conversation at Invest Austria at your panel, Crisis as Daily Business, Prepare, Act and Succeed. Thank you, Alex, for joining us today and for your insights. Thank you so much, Laura. It was a great pleasure and I'm looking forward to being at, at the event in a few weeks' time. Dieser Podcast wird produziert von Stefan Tesch.